When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. We just concluded uh, week 16 of the NFL, and now your fantasy league should all be wrapped up. Hopefully some of you have emerged victorious. If not, there's always next year. And if you're still playing in a fantasy league with week 17, you need to leave that league immediately or threaten uh, your commissioner that you're going to leave because there's no way you should be playing Week 17 Fantasy Football Leagues. It's been established for numerous reasons why you shouldn't play. I mean, the fact that the Steelers are sitting basically everyone against the Cleveland Browns should tell you this is why you don't play Week 17. You got Patrick Mahomes playing instead of Alex Smith. Curious decision by the Chiefs. But again, reasons why you don't play Week 17 Fantasy Football Leagues. I don't care what the rationale is if you want to do a two-week final. There are better ways of managing it. Week 17 should be off limits from a regular fantasy football perspective if you're playing for a championship. Bar none. I mean, the only reason why we're doing NFL recap for week 17 is because we still have DFS to kind of go through, which I will uh, go in length about tomorrow once we get a formal, uh, formalized idea of exactly what the rosters are going to be like. Because, again, with week 17... Guys are going to be resting. Guys are going to be limited. Uh, Some guys are a little bit slowed up with practice, so you can't really do all that much uh, in terms of uh, preparing yourself for it until uh, game time, really. So it doesn't even make sense kind of going through the lineups today just because of uh, uh, the injury potential and holding guys out. So instead, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go through – the MVPs of fantasy uh, this year, uh, just from the standpoint of who are the guys that most likely won your leagues uh, for you uh, as a whole? Because uh, you know uh, we had some surprising names this year, uh, and I'll I'll go through uh, the uh, quarterback, running back positions. Uh, I mean the overall. I mean if you don't know who the overall is, then we probably weren't paying attention to fantasy football. This year, or you got eliminated so early that you stopped caring. But we're gonna go through everyone, and uh, we'll—I'll do the overall leader uh, of fantasy this year of uh, who won you your league. So, uh, starting off with uh, the quarterback position, 
the number one guy this year, Russell Wilson. I mean, Russ pretty much was a beast this year. Uh, the uh, the actual consideration for this was actually going to be a toss-up between Russell Wilson and uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson, unfortunately, obviously went down with the ACL injury. But, honestly, you should have made the playoffs with Carson Wentz. You might have been able to find someone off of waivers late if you tried to ride the Bortles train to the end uh, and got derailed in the championship game. But Carson Wentz should have gotten you into the playoffs with the 13 games he played. Uh, because both he and Russell Wilson averaged over 21 points a game from a fantasy perspective. So, again, uh, just a absolute monster year from uh, Wilson and Wentz, uh, especially when you consider the fact that Wilson didn't even have an offensive line this year. I mean, no offensive line, no running game. Uh, he absolutely should be in the NFL MVP talk. I, I don't understand why people are making a, trying to make a case against Russell Wilson. He deserves it more than Brady. Yes, I said it. He deserves it more than Brady. The Patriots, you know, you can say whatever you want. The The fact of the matter is the Patriots would have been just fine with Jimmy Garoppolo at QB. I don't care what anyone else is trying to say about how valuable Tom Brady is to the team. I love Tom Terrific. Believe me, I, I, I play Tom Terrific in multiple leagues. But you cannot say that he's the MVP when you see Jimmy Garoppolo lighting it up in San Francisco. New England would have won just as many games with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, I will argue this to the nail, folks. Jimmy Garoppolo is a franchise QB uh, going forward. I, you know, this, the ridiculous part that drives me nuts is the fact that no one, no one made it. Uh, no one wanted to trade number one uh, pick for him in the beginning of the year when it was clear that New England didn't really want to trade him. That's why they traded everyone else but Garoppolo. Uh, but you know, say it on V. But uh, I'm 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 getting sidetracked here. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, in terms of other fancy QBs that won you your leagues, uh, you got Cam Newton. You got Alex Smith. Uh, Cam. An expected person that you could see uh, carrying you to a league title. Uh, like I said, my strategy for guys like him, you can get guys like him in the fifth and sixth round. You don't need to reach up into the early rounds. I know uh, this was a bit of a strange year because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. But again, I always make this case with folks. Reaching for a quarterback in the first four rounds is a waste of a pick to me in fantasy football. There are enough guys, because of how much the rules have been relaxed for quarterbacks, that you can draft multiple quarterbacks that could start for you in a fantasy league season. The only issue that comes up that you got to worry about is if you run into a situation like I did where I ended up trading QBs, and then, of course, you're relying on one QB and Deshaun Watson goes down with an injury. But, hey, yeah, you know, the day after you trade Kirk Cousins. But, you know, say la vie. Uh, in terms of... Other QBs, uh, Kirk Cousins, another uh, guy who, you know, you uh, people who uh, get to ride Kirk Cousins all they want, but at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins averaged 18 points a game. Yes, was it a frustrating uh, experience for Cousins owners? Yes, I certainly understand that because I had a Cousins in a vast majority of my leagues and he was up and down, but at the end of the day, the average worked out for you. I mean, he put up some monster games, and he had a, he killed in the championship week. 
I had Kirk Cousins and uh, Alex Smith to debate between, and they both had uh, big games. I mean, again, you know, these are not situations where you're uh, you should be killing yourself with uh, uh, because you reached too early for a fantasy QB. The only case where that worked out for folks was Russell Wilson, because guess what? Tom Brady was just nowhere to be found the last month of the season. And, you know, as much as I think the Patriots are still going to roll through the AFC, I still have my reservations about uh, the Patriots this year because Brady looks like he's slowing down. And I'm not sure what the uh, exact cause of it is. It It could be the Achilles issue that he's not able to plant his foot properly to follow through on some of these throws, but... You know, he hasn't necessarily been the same guy the last couple of weeks. And it's been notably, uh, noticeably apparent. And, you know, New England kind of made their bed by trading Garoppolo. But I, I, I'm very curious uh, to see the referendum on this in about three years if New England made the right choice. Because truly, the Patriot way would have been to actually trade Tom Brady. It will be the truest example of the Patriot way of being completely cutthroat and backstabbing a player <laughs> by trading Tom Brady. I know Bob Kraft wouldn't, would have none of it. And I think in his heart of hearts, but if you gave him true serum and uh, actually forced him to open up, uh, open up, uh, open up his mouth when he uh, uh, just like mumbles out answers, uh, Belichick would say that he wanted to keep uh, Jimmy Garoppolo over Tom Brady. I truly believe that. I, I don't think he wanted to trade him. But you didn't really have much of a choice when uh, they're not uh, they're not looking to move uh, uh, Brady. So, again, these are all top QBs. But then you look at other guys that probably won you your league. You got Jared Goff in the top ten. No one would have predicted that. And Jared Goff, not for nothing was probably on your waiver wire after the draft. I mean, I can't think of too many guys that picked Jared Goff. I mean, Alex Smith was on waiver wires in a lot of leagues as well. Uh, You know, again, you can win with uh, QBs even if you don't draft them. Uh, It's just that it just uh, you kind of have to look at it from a game flow perspective. Quarterback, to me, is the one position people overvalue when it comes to fantasy football. And, you know, it, it just kind of bore itself out again today. But uh, as I kind of go through the running back list, you'll kind of see what I'm getting at is the fact that, uh, you know, you want to go after your skill positions rather than, uh, uh, just, like, killing yourself trying to nail it with the quarterback early. So uh, running back uh, 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 numbers. So you got Todd Gurley number one overall. I mean, this this was a given. Uh, Le'Veon Bell came out number two. Obviously, the notable absence of David Johnson is felt here. Uh, but, I mean, between Gurley and Bell, uh, they were at 21 points and 17 points a game, respectively. I mean, Gurley, uh, and I mean, I'm obviously giving it away here, but Gurley uh, clearly is uh, the overall fantasy MVP. And he probably should be considered the NFL MVP. He's, he's going to miss out on the rushing title because... You know, he's going to be resting Sunday, again, while you don't play Week 17 leagues. But, you know, at the end of the day, Gurley put up the goods this year. And Gurley, uh, I have saw a number of leagues. Uh, Gurley ended up being a late second-round pick. I've, I stashed Gurley in multiple leagues because of that, that people weren't picking him. Uh, 
and the until later on in drafts. I mean, and you know, and it was even more apparent in PPR leagues because if it was a PPR league, I mean, yeah, Gurley and Bell were monsters. Alvin Kamara was a late round draft pick or went unpicked in leagues. I mean, I missed the boat on Kamara because I saw Kamara play in college. You know, he was a nice player in Tennessee, but I just didn't, I didn't really, see, I didn't really see much of a role for him because you know you had such a crowded backfield of Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson, and then you got a rookie in Kamara. I, I just didn't see him getting enough reps to be worthwhile. Lo and behold, he might actually end up edging out Kareem Hunt for Rookie of the Year, and that's crazy. And that sounds insane given how hot Kareem Hunt was to start the year. Uh, and Kareem Hunt still was a top five running back this year for fantasy purposes. Kareem Hunt, if you had an early draft league, you got Kareem Hunt in the sixth round or later because of Spence Ware still being active. Uh, of course, if uh, you know you drafted after Spence Ware got hurt in the preseason, you you, you may have grabbed a Hunter uh, in the late first round or early second round, and you still made out like a bandit. I mean, it, it's. Just so much value, but again, I, I say this because for the most part, and I'll go through the list of the top uh, uh, running backs, you got Gurley, Bell, Kamara, Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram, LaShawn McCoy, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Carl Hyde. Out of those 10 guys, the only guys that were outside the third round that uh, were drafted basically are Kamara... And in some leagues, Mark Ingram. Everybody else was in the uh, top three uh, rounds for running back. If you compare that to quarterback, like I said, quarterback, it's all over the place. You got guys from all outside the rounds. So that's what I'm saying. You can build your fantasy championship team by focusing on your skill positions and your running backs and making sure you do your homework because, yeah, would Ezekiel Elliott have uh, been in the top 10 if he didn't get suspended in six games? Absolutely. Zeke still ended up being in the top half of the league. I mean, he would have, uh, uh, points-wise, he would have averaged in the top three. But again, you know, you got to do your homework when, you, when you're uh, uh, analyzing uh, some of these positions. And, uh, you know, running back is a position where, you know, yeah, you can miss, but you're not going to miss tremendously. I mean, Devonta Freeman was a first round, uh, late first round, uh, by, by far a definite slam dunk second round pick. I mean, disappointing year with the Falcons. I blame that more on Steve Sarkeesian than Devonta Freeman because Sarkeesian wastes so many drives for the Falcons. It's ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I look at it from the perspective of Freeman was still above average for an NFL running back this year. But again, all these guys, you're picking up in the early rounds. There's no getting around it. You have to do it this way. If you're not, if you're not, if you're, if you're punting on running back, you're, you're going to be in for some hurt. I, I, I firmly believe that. I, I, I stand behind it. Punting the, I know people advocate the zero running back strategy uh, and then grab running backs late. I just think you're asking to get punished far too often than justifies the actual need for it. So, again, that that's where uh, uh, I kind of stand on the issue. All right, moving on to the wide receiver position. 
I mean, the far and away the winner here was Antonio Brown. Even with the injury, uh, you know, he he led the field. But I mean, it was close uh, this year because you know, from a points perspective, uh, I, I just look at this and it was just an embarrassment of riches this year from the wide receiver position. If you did your homework, uh, I mean. Uh, a lot of this came from guys who operated in the slot position and just did damage. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at the traditional X wide receiver position, you got burned. So, I mean, let's just talk about the duds uh, that aren't going to be. Well, actually, one of them, uh, I mean, some of them did end up in the top 10, but, like, they were still duds in terms of the overall. Uh, so, you got Julio. I mean, Julio was still in the top 10, but absolute dud if you drafted him in the top uh, five. Uh, I mean, and even then, he, he still he still hurts you with, uh, because even with that monster 250-yard game, uh, he still only averaged 16 points a game. I mean, he he, he, kill, he killed teams this year. Uh, killed. Killed. Uh, not just killed. Killed them. Uh, so, uh, Julio... Definitely is on the naughty list. AJ Green, naughty list, not his fault. I mean, the the Bengals were just an absolute train wreck this year offensively. Uh, you know, I, I hope AJ gets his walking papers from the, the Bengals and can actually go to a team that will actually win games because uh, it it's just a broken team right there. So, AJ Green, and far and away, the biggest... Biggest bust this year in terms of the wide receiver position out of someone who is expected to be massively great. I mean, Mike Evans. I mean, whoo. Their words don't really describe how badly underperforming the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were as a team this year. But Mike Mike Evans encapsulates just the level of frustration uh, fantasy owners must have. Because if you were... Seriously, trying to pair Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, you probably came in the bottom three of your league uh, this year, uh, unless you you were able to pull off some machinations to uh, save some face with your friends. But you know, if you were playing, and I know people were trying to play Mike Evans as a differential. Like sometimes people get too cute when they draft in a high spot. Because one thing I'll always say is, like, draft the guys where they sh- should be ranked, not because you want to get cute and uh, draft a guy because you already have them in another league. Uh, I mean, uh, it's just not not a, not a good idea. I mean, I had guys trying to draft Mike Evans in the top three because they didn't want to... Uh, they didn't want to duplicate because they might have had uh, Antonio Brown or David Johnson in certain spots if uh, if they slipped. And I, I just shook my head because, to me, you're always tempting fate by going outside the box and getting cute. Don't get cute with your drafts. If you if you think a guy's good enough, go with him. Because chances are you can always make a trade after the draft or trade your draft spot, depending on the league, with the commissioner. Uh, just... Like I said, don't get cute. I mean, so many people got burned by Mike Evans this year. Uh, and to me, I thought it was going to be a big year. But he had one of the highest deviations of good to uh, good to bad last year as well. So, again, 
I'm not quite sure what the issue was between him and James Winston, why they can't get on the same page. Uh, and it, you know, I don't even know what the answer is because uh, the reports are Dirk Cutter's keeping his job next year, which is astonishing to me. But, uh, you know, I, I just have no confidence in Tampa next year. Of course, this likely means that Tampa's going to go off on a huge winning streak next year and make me look like an idiot, but I just have no confidence in Tampa Bay from a fantasy perspective next year. Uh, you know, I'll look at uh, Evans as a potential dog if he slips uh, further into the late second round, early third round next year because people are down on him. Yeah, I'll take a shot on him uh, just, uh, just from that reason alone, but, uh, you know, that's about it. But, uh, yeah, going back it through the wide receiver rankings for the top 10 this year, you got A.B., you got DeAndre Hopkins. Nook was incredible this year. Even uh, with the slow start because of Tom Savage being Tom Savage, Deshaun Watson came in there, got him on track, and even after Deshaun Watson got hurt, once uh, Nook got on track again, uh, he was just a beast. I mean, he got the job done. He was consistent scoring. Uh, you know, like I said, if you had players to support Hopkins for the first five weeks of the year, uh, you were in a really good spot. Because once uh, Deshaun Watson took over and just started hitting his stride in week four, I mean, Hopkins, uh, in my estimation, actually outperformed Antonio Brown uh, going forward after that point. Uh because it was neck and neck between those two. And Hopkins still uh, leads the NFL in touchdown catches. And had the catch of the year, in my opinion. Uh, in in terms of uh, just what he was able to do uh, on Christmas Day against the Steelers. That, that, if you hadn't seen that catch yet, go watch it on YouTube. Uh, it's just incredible how he was able to backhand bat the ball to himself to, uh, to catch it. I mean... Catch of the year, uh, by far, catch of the year. Uh, Keenan Allen, monster second half of the year by Keenan Allen. Uh, just uh, became a focal point in the Chargers offense. Uh, you know, finally living up to the potential that he had. I mean, Keenan Allen was a fourth-round pick uh, in most leagues, uh, maybe fifth. He's definitely jumping up into uh, the second round next year. Uh, and if someone wants to gamble on him in the first round, uh, let them. I wouldn't necessarily go that high with him, uh, but that's about as good as he's going to get uh, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, he had an awesome year this year uh, with almost 17 points a game. Uh, Larry Fitz, what else can you say? The man is a living Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, As soon as he retires, you're just going to count the, uh, the five-year clock for him to get into Canton. I mean, you know, there's not much else you can say about uh, Larry Fitzgerald other than uh, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, over 100 catches again this year at his age. Just incredible performance this year out of the slot in a demanding position. Uh, just gets the job done regardless of who's the quarterback for Arizona. Uh, you know, y- you just feel bad for him that uh, Arizona had so many injuries. But, again, I blame Arizona's manager because – Carson Palmer, just his entire career has been a walking injury uh, magnet. And, you know, the fact that they didn't have a backup plan in place for him getting hurt, uh, you know, just killed the season. I mean, I thought they could have survived without David Johnson. 
Uh, I thought they were a little bit slow to react to making a trade once David Johnson got hurt, but, you know, it is what it is. But um, great year for Larry. It just didn't amount to much. Uh, Michael Thomas, one of the most uh, consistent players uh, in fantasy this year. Uh, Double-digit points almost every week, uh, although in the championship week he was banged up, so he only got about nine points. But yet still, he, he got you through a lot of championships if you drafted him uh, in your lineup just because he was very consistent. I mean, no, no, nothing too high, nothing too low. Part of it was game flow because of New Orleans being so uh, so dominant on the ground that he just didn't get the looks that he normally would because Drew Brees didn't uh, really need to throw the ball. They just needed to run it down people's throats. So uh, good year from Thomas. Uh, I would expect better things from him next year because I can't see New Orleans being that dominant on the ground again two years in a row. Usually something has to give uh, when you take uh, uh, that many carries between Ingram and Kamara. So, uh, like I said, that's next year. But, uh, you know, this year uh, Thomas made the top five, uh, but uh, he's the only New Orleans uh, receiver that's even going to be close to uh, worth looking at next year just because, you know, it's uh, – it's pretty clear that uh, uh, Breeze is probably coming back at a reduced uh, salary next year. Uh, I'd be surprised if the Saints didn't bring him back, but I think that they've already kind of made the decision that they're going to take it as much out of Drew uh, Drew's hands as uh, much as possible and just have him make the killer, uh, uh, the back-breaking throws to defenses rather than having him chuck it uh, 35, 4 times a game. Now... Here comes the most difficult position to discuss. A position that was a complete and utter crapshoot, which is the tight end spot. I mean, this this spot is painful to discuss because, I mean, I could do a top 10 here, but literally there are only four guys here that you could actually count on this year. Actually, not. I shouldn't even say that. Not even four. It's about, yeah, three guys. <laughs> I mean, it's Travis Kelsey, it's Gronk, and it's Zach Ertz. Gronk got himself suspended and also missed the game. So he only played 13 games out, out of the, the 16. Uh, you know, Gronk did what Gronk does, uh, just be the best tight end in the league. But, uh, you know, Gronk, Gronk hurt you. Gronk hurt you in the playoffs big time. Uh, just by getting himself suspended. I mean, there's no, there's no way to, uh, to to shake that. Gronk burned you badly. I mean, you needed to have a quality backup not to get eliminated in the playoffs if you were leaning on Gronk. Uh, outside of that, it was Travis Kelsey. Uh, got him showing that last year wasn't a fluke. Uh, that uh, he is a premier uh, player in the league. Uh, and then you had Zach Ertz uh, when he was healthy and not in the concussion protocol. Uh, and clicking with Carson Wentz, the numbers went down when Nick Foles got in the mix. Uh, you know, bizarre game Monday night against the, the Raiders, to say the least. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I mean, it was really tough to gauge the tight ends because week to week, they would just disappear on you. Uh, I mean, Evan Ingram is still a top, is still top four in terms of tight ends. Even though the Giants disappeared in multiple games where he wasn't even getting sniffs at the ball. And either that, he was dropping uh, passes left and right. I mean, 
Evan Ingram was a mess. Uh, Delaney Walker, uh, you know, Tennessee just doesn't throw the ball enough uh, to give him the volume that you really need. But, you know, he still put up numbers. It's just that, you know, he was barely getting over double-digit points. And Jimmy Graham was just a touchdown-dependent player. I mean, uh, he doesn't get any volume in Seattle. It's clearly obvious that Jimmy Graham is looked at as a red zone target only, but from a fantasy perspective, if you drafted Jimmy Graham high, you got burned. Uh, For the most part, I ended up grabbing Jimmy Graham later on because of uh, he was slipping in drafts, so I grabbed him as a value pick. But, you know, I wasn't enamored with Jimmy Graham because I didn't know what I was going to get week to week. Uh, it's hard to rely on a touchdown-dependent player uh, week in, week out. Jim Graham actually did it, but, you know, I going forward, I would just say avoid Jimmy Graham in the future because he just doesn't put up the numbers that you need. Uh, and, you know, outside of that, I mean, other guys you can look at, uh, Kyle Rudolph, uh, you know, nothing earth-shattering. Jack Doyle put up okay-ish numbers. Jason Witten, being the cyborg that he is, put up numbers. Not double-digit numbers, but he put up decent numbers. Cameron Bray, which is kind of surprising because, uh, you know, O.J. Howard cut into his numbers quite a bit, and he still managed to, to make the top ten because the rest of this list had nothing to offer. I mean, picking a tight end week to week was a chore this year, and I don't think it's going to get much better. I actually think this improves Gronk's status for next year because I, I you know, outside of Evan Ingram, uh, you know, I, to me, Kelsey doesn't uh, doesn't move the needle enough to pass up on uh, a wide receiver in the uh, fourth or fifth round. To, uh, to grab him. So it's like either you take Gronk in the third round. Uh, you know, I know people were taking Gronk in the uh, first round. That's insane. You can't do that. Uh, but, you know, if you take Gronk in the second round, yeah, you can do it. It's just to me, uh, unless you're getting uh, points multiples for tight ends uh, beyond just the standard PPR, uh, you know, reaching for Gronk kind of defeats the purpose. Uh uh, when you can get other skill positions. But I, I get it from the standpoint of outside of those guys, you know, it's a crapshoot. But, you know, I would still say uh, you got to live with it uh, rather than overpaying on a tight end. Just be prepared to stream as needed. Moving on, kickers are kickers. But I will say that the best kicker this year was Greg Zerline, even though he got hurt for the championship game with his back. Uh, he was the top kicker this year, uh, above the likes of Gaskowski and Justin Tucker. Uh, just from a volume standpoint, the Rams put up so many points that Zerline had to be the top kicker. But, you know, again, this kind of goes to my point of you don't reach for kickers. You don't reach for defense too early. There's so many picks you can make. I, I mean, again, there's not much delineation between kickers. So why bother reaching? Yeah, they're... they're I mean, Zerline averaged uh, 13 points a game. Goskowski was 11. Gould, Robbie Gould, like, people aren't signing Robbie Gould. Uh, 10 points. Uh, you know, Harrison Bucker, people didn't know who he was. And he, uh, he still put up almost 13 points a game in uh, uh, the couple of games he, he got in after he was traded to KC. You know, like I said, uh, for kickers, no need to reach. 
I mean, I see guys always trying to be cute by reaching for Goskowski or Justin Tucker, thinking they're so smart. It, you know, again, kickers put up points as a whole. I mean, you can stream kickers and still be productive. Don't waste the roster spot going too early for a kicker. Same applies for defense, and I'll get to that uh, as my final point. Number one defense by far, Jacksonville. And this is part of my rant. Because part of the issue is that uh, for Jacksonville today, uh, you know, they were ranked by Yahoo as the 25th best defense in the NFL, which was ridiculous. I mean, I had Jacksonville as a top four defense. I had them behind uh, Seattle, uh, Denver, Baltimore, and KC. Uh, uh, believe it was going to be in that order, but uh, I'd have to go back and check my notes. But you know, Jacksonville's defense was young, had a ton of draft picks. I see this all the time on fantasy sites where defenses don't get properly evaluated. One of the barometers I use with checking out a defense, see whether they're going to be good enough, see how many draft picks were spent on there in the last three years. If you've got Three or four guys that are drafted in the top, uh, top two, three picks, uh, the three years in a row. That defense is going to be good, regardless of what the stats look like last year. They learned on the job; they were going to be good. Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, has turned into the shutdown corner everyone thought he was uh, going to be out of Florida State. You know, uh, But if you look as a whole with uh, the top five defenses, uh, you, you're going to see a trend. Jacksonville, number one. Baltimore, number two. The Rams, number three. Uh, Philly, number four. Chargers, number five. All these defenses have been drafting players in the top three rounds the last three years. It, uh, I mean, Chargers had Joey Bosa. You had Melvin Ingram. I mean, dominant pass rush. Eagles, yeah, linebackers and defensive ends. Uh, the Rams have been loaded for years, but they added a couple more guys in. They still had Aaron Donald uh, uh, to uh, work with, so they were already set. The Ravens uh, loaded up with secondary uh, players the last uh, four years, actually. So, uh, again, lots of early uh, picks and, you know, made a difference. I mean, Seattle obviously had injuries. Denver was a complete train wreck. Kansas City lost to Eric Berry early. You know, these things happen. But if you're telling me to be surprised that some of these defenses ended up here, I can't because they made the investment in the draft picks. And that's what sometimes gets lost uh, in terms of the, uh, the projections on a fantasy perspective because they keep going by last year's stats and not looking at some of the ages of the players and where they were drafted. So, again, to me, Jacksonville was always going to be a top-five defense. I just didn't realize that they were going to be this dominant in terms of uh, some of the numbers because depending on the league format you were playing under, uh, they were even more uh, uh, more of a uh, upgrade over some of these other defenses once you combine uh, sacks, of uh, fumbles, not just fumble recoveries, uh, yards uh, yards allowed. I mean, they led in basically every defensive category. So, if uh, depending on the point scoring format, I mean, you had a massive advantage if you had Jacksonville on your team. But again, uh, a lot of and you know, 
Yahoo was the most egregious about it, but ESPN didn't have Jacksonville highly ranked. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of sites uh, were off on this uh, in terms of the rankings. Uh, but you know, sometimes that's why you have to do uh, your research outside of Yahoo and ESPN and uh, kind of going through the rankings. I mean, I st- uh, I'll start doing my uh, rankings. You know, once the NFL draft happens, uh, I'll start ranking, uh, uh, start doing my positional rankings and defense rankings uh, uh, following the draft uh, ahead of time. And I mean, that's only in a couple of months. That's in like four months. And, you know, you still got another four, four and a half months left till uh, tra- uh, preseason. And I'm still ranking players. So it's a fluid process. But at the same time, it's like, you know, a lot of times when I see people fall off on and kind of get caught up in the numbers is the fact that they're not necessarily looking at the year-to-year changes and defense is the most uh, clear area of need that just gets overlooked uh, in terms of a fantasy season so uh, that does it for the fantasy breakdown I'm gonna go into uh, college uh, right now just because you know bowl season has been just kind of fast and furious but the story of the bowl season thus far is the fact that you know, the Big Ten has just been dominating uh, play. And I didn't really see it happening to this extent. I thought, you know, even with the USC matchup yesterday, that uh, USC was going to be uh, in a competitive uh, matchup with Ohio State, and Ohio State just smacked them around. I mean, that was, that 24-7 did not encapsulate how dominant Ohio State was. USC had no answers on offense. Sam Darno looked like... A college QB that's not even remotely ready for the pros. Uh, I mean, I still hear analysis saying that he should go, uh, go in the draft because he's going to get a top pick. I, I, I kind of look at that. I'm shaking my head a bit because, you know, that's that's asking for trouble in my opinion. Uh, the the issue being is that um, Darno still makes some throws where you're. You're shaking your head a bit because, uh, you know, part of it ends up being a case where Darno has the NFL arm, but the throws that he's making, you know, it's just not, it's not there. It, it I, I mean, uh, and I'm not trying to say this as like a worried Giants fan. I think Darno is going to eventually develop into a pretty solid NFL QB in about three years. I just don't see him as a guy you're going to spend a first round pick on and he's going to be your franchise QB from day one. It, to me, he's a project. And to me, you don't spend first round picks on projects. Same issue of Rosen. I think Rosen needs to be in a specific offense, needs to be out in the West Coast. I look at him as a potential successor to uh, Philip Rivers out in San Diego. Uh, it's just that I just don't agree with the valuation saying that he needs to uh, be in a top 10 of the pick. I just think that, you know, people go overboard with the draft analysis of we got to have a franchise QB, but, you know, yeah, the everyone needs a franchise QB, but, you know, it's just they don't grow on trees. And part of my issue is the fact that the, the NFL doesn't do enough to cultivate quarterbacks. I mean, they, they limit the practice time. They don't allow quarterbacks to actually have time to gel with their linemen. So you, you end up with these uh, situations where uh, people are just kind of uh, uh, caught up in, in a bad spot. And, you know, more often than not, I still think that this is uh, 
situation where uh, people kind of need to uh, wrap their heads around the fact that, uh, you know, quarterbacking in the NFL has become so complex that not too many people can do it. And it's a more of an on-the-field type of learning experience. So I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, people are going to have to get a better sense of uh, what the what the expectation is going to be moving forward. Uh, but uh, like I said, I, I just think that this is uh, one of those where, you know, Rosen didn't play, Falk didn't play for Wazoo, uh, Darno didn't look great. I, I just, I don't see it with some of these teams uh, rushing out to grab these quarterbacks. I, I just think it's too much too soon. Uh, this is not the year to be running out and trying to grab a QB. Speaking of teams looking to grab a QB, we've got the New York football giants, you know, uh, signed, uh, hired a new GM uh, in Dave Gettleman, a former uh, Giants uh, front office exec, uh, then went on to become the Carolina Panthers uh, GM. And, uh, you know, he's up there in age. He's 66 years old, so he's not going to be in the job for long. I'd be shocked if he was in this job three years from now, to be honest which makes this a little bit of a precarious pick for the Giants because Mara promised wholesale changes, and to me, this looks like more window dressing. Now, uh, it looks like they're going to get rid of Mark Ross, who was part of the problem, in my opinion, because he was the head of college scouting, and the Giants, to me, barely do any scouting outside of the first uh, couple of rounds of the draft. I mean, the amount of whiffs we've had from rounds three through seven... uh, in the last four years is incredible. I, you know, I don't understand how an NFL team could be that bad at gauging the middle rounds. Yet the Giants did that. So uh, as it stands, the Giants have a lot of decisions to make. One of them being what do they do with Eli Manning? Uh, I'll go into that in greater detail uh, in a future podcast. But uh, uh, the one thing I, I will say for the Giants is. If the talk is to grab a franchise QB this year, to me, this ain't the year to do it. Uh, There's just not enough there, in my opinion, uh, from these quarterbacks to justify uh, going down the road of uh, uh, making a a major move like that. I think the Giants are better served with just shoring up what they have on the offensive line, uh, see if Eli's interested in coming back here. Although, I'd be shocked if Eli willingly wants to come back to the Giants after how this season went. But, you know, maybe maybe uh, the lack of not, not wanting to make a significant change in his life at this stage of his career. Because, uh, again, Eli is not Peyton. So it is a different personality uh, mindset in, in play here. So I think the best bet for the Giants is shore up the offensive line, give it one more go with those wide receivers and see what you can do if you if you can make a run and deal with the issue that is Eli Apple because, you know, Landon Collins came out and called the guy a clubhouse cancer. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, he apologized, but he only apologized because you can't have your players c- calling each other th- th- that type of rhetoric. Everyone looks at it and says you're completely dysfunctional. That's why Landon Collins had to apologize. Not because of what he said about Eli Apple. It's just the fact that he aired it out in public. So, again, not a good look for the New York Giants. Uh, You know, as it stands, I kind of look at this and say that uh, the Giants have to uh, 
figure out a way of managing uh, this process. So uh, whatever they can do to uh, get themselves out of this mess, they got to do it fast because, uh, like I said, the Eagles aren't going anywhere uh, with Wentz. The Cowboys have Dak and Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who hopefully will not get himself into trouble uh, with the league because, uh, you know, he basically killed the Cowboy season. That uh, Jerry Jones can blame Goodell all he wants. That that one's on Zeke. Uh, but uh, the Redskins, you know, I'm not too worried about it just because of how badly they've handled the Kirk Cousins situation. But uh, I would say that the Giants have to make some strong considerations as to where they're going to go from here because the, the biggest thing that I see is the fact that uh, unless uh, the Giants can uh, figure out a way of uh, staying above water with uh, the quarter, uh, current quarterback situation, it be some really bad years ahead for the Giants. I think they have to kind of short what they have right now and make a run for it next year rather than trying to uh, chuck it all into the furnace and uh, start anew because if you're trying to uh, you're trying to reset the clock, it's it's gonna be a while for the Giants are actually good and I don't think uh, fans are really up for waiting five to seven years. I uh, I think the organization might think they can do it in two to three. I just don't see it happening. I think the other teams in the division are way too good at this point to try to reset the clock. So uh, that. Uh, uh, we'll do it for now. Uh, I'll get into uh, the DFS uh, picks for Week 17 coming up. I uh, also want to get into some soccer talk, so uh, maybe try to do another podcast uh, later today on that front. But uh, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, bowl games today that are coming up. Uh, you've got uh, Louisville and Mississippi State uh, coming up next. Uh, Memphis and Ohio, uh, Memphis and Iowa State. Uh, playing as well. Then you got in the afternoon matchup, you got Penn State and Washington. I think Penn State takes that one uh, pretty convincingly. Based off of how badly uh, Ohio State dismantled USC, I I, I have very, <laughs> very serious reservations against Washington today. That could be ugly, but uh, you know we'll see how the Fiesta Bowl goes. Uh, and then in the primetime matchup, we got the Orange Bowl with Miami and Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin should win this matchup, but there is something to be said about playing a team in their home stadium, and it's going to be prime time. That Miami crowd is going to be jacked up. Their players are going to be jacked up. Uh, that could be a very tricky matchup for Wisconsin. Uh, the Big Ten is 5-0 and in bowl games so far this year. Of course, that sounds like the kiss of death that someone's going down today. Uh, I just look at it and saying that, you know, uh, I think Penn State should be fine. Wisconsin could be in some trouble. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I just think that Wisconsin uh, should be able to avoid the turnovers. If they start turning the ball over, uh, then Miami's got a shot. It's just that I don't think Miami's efficient enough on offense to actually get a win here. But, uh, you know, I've been dogging Miami most of the year. So uh, why would I change at this point? Anyway, like I said, enjoy the games today. And... Uh, We'll catch you up in around another time. Have a good one, folks.
the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.